Well, we're in this series entitled How to Live a Meaningful Life. And the subtitle today, to today's message is What Matters Most? And I want to put the question to you, and including all those who are watching online, what matters most to you? And the kind of second question, are they the same things that matter to God? And so I believe what we're going to talk about is going to challenge every one of us as it did me in preparing this. And we are speaking from a perspective that you really discover your real purpose in Jesus Christ, but connected to a local church. And it's one of the most counter-cultural things you can do in this modern age is actually belong to a local church, to be involved in whatever way you can. And we know we're in interesting times and a fresh wave of COVID and people are having to do things differently. And those who are isolating or watching online just for whatever reason, you're a part of this congregation. You're a part of this church and you have an opportunity to get engaged as well. Because as Jesus' disciples, we are better together as we help each other and encourage each other to live purposefully, to live intentionally for what really matters. And what really matters is God's purpose. Yeah, God's will for your life, but if it's not connected to His ultimate purpose, you can't discover God's will for your life. It's a simple concept, but it's a powerful one. I want to read from James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I don't think he was talking about a Canberra mist that can last all day. But you get the point. And you go, well, that's not a very encouraging scripture, but it is very challenging. In the span of history, your and my life is like a mist that appears and then disappears. And so only what's done for eternity is James's point is what really counts. And he's not saying don't plan things, don't pray into things, don't have a vision for things. He just says don't be presumptuous about what you're doing in your life. And a very interesting and challenging week. And there's a few things that have gone back for a while connecting to this. We have a number of friends in this church and overseas that are battling life-threatening diseases right now. And they're in different stages in that. And we've seen God's hand work in their lives, but they're still in a significant battle. On Wednesday, I turned onto the Barton Highway and there was a massive smash blocking the traffic. And it was in a place where I thought, how on earth did you get to get an accident there? But it was really quite serious. I couldn't, don't know what actually happened in the outcome, but it was significant. We send our comfort and commiserations this morning to Anne Hazel, whose mum passed. 
and also for those who've been around this church for a long time, might remember Peter Justice, who unexpectedly died this last week, and I believe his funeral is on Monday. But the thing that kind of pulled this all together was that on Friday, I conducted the funeral of that young Canberran man who died in Thailand falling from a balcony, 19 years of age. His dad comes to our church and it was incredibly sobering. This young man, there was one of the biggest funerals I've conducted. He was dearly loved and appreciated and obviously full of life, but in a moment was gone. And that's what James is talking about. And so I wanna ask a really challenging question. What would you do differently if you, in your life if you knew you only had 12 months to live? What would you do differently if it was only three months? What if it was only 30 days? What would you do differently? Because the scripture is filled, yes, telling us about God's divine purpose for our lives, a plan, but it also reminds us of the brevity of life. In Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it says, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. We don't come back and get a redo that what we are doing now is not just something that you can brush off. We are actually preparing for eternity, either with God or without Him. And my goal is to intentionally challenge all of us to just take a step back and consider the brevity of life and how that may change your and my perspective about what we're doing with our lives. And even if it's one or two things that is part of a takeaway in your reflection that say, I really need to address this. We're not talking about 10 things, 20 things. Maybe it's just one or two things that you go, really, I've been putting it off. I actually need to make some changes. There's a wonderful prayer that David prays in Psalm 39, verse four to five. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Now, if you read the Psalm, David struggling with some stuff and it ends up in a good place and David is certainly a man of extraordinary destiny in the purposes of God. But he says, God, I need to be reminded because I can get so caught up in the other stuff of life that I forget that I only have a limited time here and I actually don't know exactly how long that is. Remind me how brief my time is on life. And it's with the spirit of, so I can live it with significance so that I can live a meaningful life so that I can do those things that really matter. 
You see, the devil hates us to think about something like this. He'll do everything to distract us from actually sitting down. He'll want us to fill our every waking moment with things and stuff rather than to sit for a moment and go, let me just think about how my life's going in the light of eternity. Doesn't want you to think about whether your life is really mattering at the moment. Because what we do now determines our eternity. And the first and the most important thing is our choice to choose Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, to accept His incredible offer of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. Or spend an eternity apart from God. And so the devil loves to keep us amused. And that word amused is really interesting. It's a French word that appeared around 1600 and it was originally a military term. And it comes from the word firstly to muse, to think about something, to ponder on something, to reflect on something, to to meditate on something, to muse. And by putting the A in front of it, it means to not do that to be distracted. And it's literally started as a military term when in battle to amuse the enemy, distract them. And it isn't interesting that one of the things that our society is most obsessed about is amusement. Now there's nothing wrong with being amused in terms of being entertained, going to a movie, whatever the case is, watching the rugby and getting depressed or whatever else. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that becomes the obsession and the driving thing, the devil has actually distracted you. You have been amused from the real thing that's going on in your life. So what matters most? I'm sure we could come up with quite a few things, but I'm going to address just three things this morning. And part of it is in that question, what if I only had this amount of time to live? Or another way of asking the question is in a hundred years, what I am occupied with and driven by, will it count for anything? Now, obviously, our lives are filled up with a lot of ordinary things and that's just life. Not every moment can be incredible destiny and all that, but You understand the point that in the ordinary of every day, there's got to be that sense, God, I want to do the things that really matter. I want to live a meaningful life. And so the three things that I want to present to you that really matter is number one, that God matters. Number two, people matter. And number three, eternity matters. God matters. It almost seems redundant to say that. But I think for many, God has become something we tack onto our lives rather than Him being central to our lives. And obviously there are many in our society that have totally dismissed God or even the idea of God. But God matters. Jesus in his great high priestly prayer recorded in John 17. But in verse three, he says this. Now this is eternal life, 
that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And the concept of eternal life is not just the idea of living forever, that's one part of it, but the overflow of the the resurrected life of Jesus in and through our lives. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And to know God means that we are actually transformed, we are changed, and we begin to be given the opportunity to live our best life, the life that God planned and purposed for us in the, in the book He wrote about our lives. Knowing God is actually life's ultimate pursuit. Jay Packer, great author and theologian, said this, knowing God is crucially important for the living of our lives. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. You see, knowing God brings things into perspective. Knowing God even makes the painful things filled with purpose. Knowing God is our ultimate pursuit. And we're not talking about religion here, we're talking about relationship. The Apostle Paul was a very religious man, but then encountered Christ on the Damascus Road, had this revelation of Jesus Christ, surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Went from somebody who persecuted the church, who became the champion of the church. And in Philippians, he shares a bit of his story or his testimony or what drives him. And he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. For whose sake I have lost all things and I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I consider them garbage. The Greek word he actually uses there is a lot more crude. And I'm not gonna say it lest I offend some of you, but it's a lot more crude. He says, all the good stuff I had, the prestige of Pharisee of the Pharisees and all the rest of that, the recognition of people, he said, all of that I counted as absolute garbage that I may gain Christ. So he's not talking about an attitude, oh, I have to do this, I ought to do that. He's kind of going, I get to do this, this pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus told the story of an incredible wealthy man who after getting a massive harvest that was overflowing his barns, decided to build new barns. And I want us to read a little bit of what Jesus says in this parable, Luke 12 and 17. He thought to himself, 
What shall I do? A little bit later, then he said, this is what I'll do. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then he who will get what you've prepared for yourself. Now, Jesus is not saying if you get a bumper harvest or great opportunity, don't grab it or don't build new barns or don't grow a business. Or he's, That's not what he's saying. The whole emphasis is the man said to himself, what shall I do? He answered himself, this is what I will do. And Jesus said, you prepared it for yourself. You did nothing for eternity. That's the point that Jesus is making. And how insignificant this man's decisions became because they were so self-centered. They were all about him when it came to the light of eternity shining on them. In 1 John 2 verse 17, and I'm reading from the message paraphrase, the world and all its wanting, 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 is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So I want to ask here in the auditorium in our online campus, how's your relationship with God? And if you go, I don't really have one. Well, the good news is today you're going to get an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and get your relationship right with God. This is eternal life that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He sent. And if, not just speaking to those who don't yet know God, but to all of us, if you kind of go, well, there's a few things that I kind of know the Holy Spirit's been convicting me about. The challenge is, will you begin to do something about them? So God matters. But in God's economy, people also matter. And it's interesting that people generally, mostly, when facing their own mortality, talk about the importance of their relationships. You can actually go to a website that has all the recordings of September 9-11 people who knew they were about to die, whether those in the tower, those on one of the planes who are allowed to make calls to loved ones. And it's all about people. It was all about people trying to get in contact with people that they loved. Loved ones trying to find out, oh, you're right. It was about people. It wasn't about things. Paul says in Galatians 5 and verse 13, Speaking to all of us who've said yes to Jesus, you've been called to living freedom. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Again, not I ought to, but I want to. I'm free to do it or free not to do it. But he says, come on, use your freedom to be a blessing to people. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. 
And God calls us to serve Him in giving ourselves our time, our energy to serving people. And yeah, there's plenty of opportunity in our different services from youth services to all the rest of it, to the PM and everything else, the the City Hub, all of that. There's great opportunity to serve on a Sunday or when other services are run. But it's also saying, well, during the week, I'm going to be the church. I'm going to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus. I'm going to look for opportunity to serve people in Jesus' name. In Matthew 25, there are three parables that Jesus tells and each of them are very challenging. But he tells one of people reaching out to others. Matthew 25 and verse 35. For I was hungry, he says, and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they responded, but Lord, when did we ever see you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then, because it's a judgment scene to the goats, as they're called in the parable, he says, you didn't do it. And they say, but Lord, we didn't see you. And the answer is the same. Our opportunity to engage with people in the name of Jesus should never be lost on us. And there's engagement through life group, through serve team, through missions. In fact, the very things there that are listed are the things we do as a mission in the church, whether it's through Canberra City Care or sending people like Leighton and Grace overseas where they're going to engage with a different people group and we'll do what we can to support and encourage. The only thing you would add to that in our modern day world is education. But the whole thing of clothing, of feeding, of visiting, of praying and of educating are the things that actually make the mission of the church significant. We need each other. People matter. Ecclesiastes, the preacher says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Life is short. So what do you need to do to change some things in your relationships to make them healthier, better? Is it to be more considerate? Is it to extend forgiveness? Is it something else? And are you really making people a priority in your life as God's Word encourages us. So God matters, people matter. But as we consider the brevity of life, 
eternity matters. Life is wonderful, but it's also very challenging. Let's not pretend otherwise. At times it's painful and perhaps even disappointing. But the scripture teaches that in the pain, in the disappointment, in the frustration, that a focus on eternity and living for something bigger actually strengthens your life, gives you perspective and actually encourages greater faith and tenacity in pursuing God's best for your life. If you read 2 Corinthians, Paul lists on two, in two occasions in the book are the things that he has suffered for the gospel's sake in Jesus' name. And he says, therefore, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, follow me. Therefore, we do not lose heart. For though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. So it's what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And again, let me remind you, the devil's job is to distract you from living with an eternal perspective, to getting you so focused, so obsessed on things. And again, in the balance of this, we've got to pay attention to things in our life. Things are not evil in and of themselves. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's about a perspective. And so Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And yet everything in our modern day Western world tells us that actually life is all about possessions. So knowing that your life is short, knowing that you and I have a finite amount of time, what are you gonna do to invest for eternity? Because Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And notice, The emphasis is store up for yourself. This is something you have to choose to do. God, I want to live my life in a way that it matters. Because God, you matter, people matter, and eternity matters. Jesus talks quite a lot about treasures in heaven. I'm not going to read the whole parable, but I'm giving you homework. Matthew 13, 
But this parable, his conclusion brings things into an incredible perspective. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and brought it and bought the field. When do you get this? Discovering Jesus is the greatest treasure of anybody's life. Saying yes to Jesus, receiving grace and forgiveness and the gift of eternal life, getting reconnected to God and, and therefore to divine purpose, His plan for you, is the greatest thing, the greatest treasure. And He says, the Kingdom of God, and you discover that you invest everything you have into that treasure. doesn't give us a lot of wiggle room to make God an add-on. Something we just tack on to our week. And certainly God wants us to enjoy this life. This is not about some kind of weird ascetic behaviour, but this life is preparation for eternity. And the challenge is that we just Recalibrate. Say, God, help me make some adjustments. Holy Spirit, lead me in this. So that I make sure that in my life, God really matters. That people really matter. And that I'm living in a, my life in a way that it demonstrates that eternity matters. So are you right with God? How are you doing with your relationships and in serving others? And what's your heavenly portfolio looking like? Moses wrote one of the Psalms, Psalm 90. He actually lived 120 years. 80 of them were kind of lost, but the last 40 counted. So it's never too late. It's never too late to say, God, I want to make sure you matter, people matter, and eternity matters in my life. And he prayed this incredible prayer in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to realise the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realise the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The wisest thing that any person can do, you and I, is to give our lives completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. <music> 